The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're wrapping up a market week. Jeff Peterson joining us at Heartland Farm Partners. We look at a market that for a Friday we get to see some positive numbers after some some big struggles and hurdles throughout the week. Let's look first, uh, Jeff, at this corn market. Kind of recap what you've seen in the ups and downs of the trade. Boy, it's been a really kind of a tough week. Earlier today, I was talking to another individual, and uh, at that time, you know, for the week, market had actually been down four cents for the week. But what's nice is I talk to you here, I get the chance to say that actually we're up for the week. Uh, December corn for 2018 is up three quarters. If you've got some stuff you're putting a bend, July corn's up a, a penny. And as we look out to December 2019, broke back over that $4 level, 402 and a half, up two and a half. And, and so it's good to see some green finally in the corn market for the week and for the soybeans as well nice to end it off on a positive note it is nice on a positive note <clears throat> excuse me unfortunately uh, we still are down uh, down about 11 and three quarters for the week uh, on soybeans uh, all the way across the board you know as we look out to the november 2019 that is setting there above the nine dollar level uh, but that is still is also down 10 and three quarters for the week and, and a lot of that weakness if we were to sit back and say what gave us a weakness? What gave us a strength? A lot of that talk was really all focused around what the demand is, and especially from the export side. I'm curious, uh, since we're talking soybeans, the, the quality that's out there as these beans, we had more rain here, more rain across the state, and moving eastward, is there a concern that we're not going to have that typical quality we're used to? I think so, and, and there hasn't been a lot of talk. Talk, you know, there has been a lot of talk uh, in regard to what the the crush is going to be, and as you turn it into oil and meal. But I think there has to be a little bit of concern on that. I know as the guys got back running, as we'd expect, the yields were down in certain areas. You know, two bushels all the way up to six or seven because of just the beans popping. In addition to that, in certain areas there definitely was some soybean damage, some sprouting that went on, and also some mold that's taking place. But overall, I'd say that's turning out probably. Better than what I expected, uh, especially in Nebraska. As we get into Iowa, there's a few more problems with that, but it's not terrible. And it was amazing to see some pictures on social media this week up in North Dakota of soybeans on the ground. That's not something we're used to seeing. No, that's not. At you know, the we elevators. took a look at. Oh uh, no, definitely not. And you know, take a look at that area up in North Dakota. They got that heavy snow. You know, when they got that snow, the stuff that was over three to four inches there, there was about. Uh, some areas in there, they got 17 inches. There was 131 million bushels of soybean produced in that area. Almost half of their production for the state was in the area that got the heavy snow. Back to them, they're not being able to pick all those beans back up, but they are getting a majority of them, but it's, it's something we'll have to keep an eye on. As you look at this harvest progress, we were about the halfway point last Monday. What can we expect come Monday's report? Yeah, I think as we take a look at beans, we think we'll advance about 20%. Unfortunately, we didn't get a full week of harvest in all areas this week. We think we'll come in somewhere around about that 73% level, which keep in mind, Susan, that's still going to be the second slowest bean harvest going all the way back to 2008. The only year that would have been slower was back in in 09. And on the corn side, it's going to advance about 10%, we think. It was 49%, should come up to about 59%. Yeah, that's going to bring us in right about midway 
Uh, not not too fast, not too slow, right about the five-year average. You know, what amazed me is I traveled back from Georgia this last week, the amount of corn and beans all across the U.S. that were still sitting out in the field. There really is a lot, and, and that's actually been beneficial. We'd have had a lot more problems getting this crop tucked away had we had not had this slow harvest pace, but that's, that's definitely assisted us in giving us room to get everything tucked away. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this export pace? It has been on the slower side. It, it definitely has, and it's one that's got a lot of attention. And, you know, and as we dig into it, uh, first thing to kind of bring up this last week, uh, 13.8 million bushels of exports. Uh, we really need about 34.1 million. Uh, the concerning part is it's not that we aren't having any exports. It's that we did have, in this last week, five cargoes that was canceled. And over on the soybean side, we had about 7.8 million bushels of exports. We need about 28.1, and, and this was the second week in a row in which we didn't have any new business coming from China, and we, we also had some cancellations. But I did pull some numbers together to kind of tell the whole story. So let's kind of look at it this way, Susan. Okay. What USDA is forecasting is a 1.5% increase in overall corn export demand. If I take the inspections, and that's the grain that's actually either weighed or inspected that's going to go for export, okay, and that's what's when it left the country so far, and I look at also what the outstanding sales are, the stuff we've got on the books that haven't shipped yet, I add those two quantities together for corn, we're actually up 28.5% compared to a year ago. So even though at this time, even though the exports have been a little slow here, we're still on pace and we can still meet our target. As we move over to soybeans, though, it's a little bit different. Um, as I bring those inspections and outstanding sales together, keep in mind USDA is forecasting us to be down 3.2% on exports this crop year. Currently, we're down about 27.5%. So as we look at the big picture, what does that mean to the producer? Yeah, I think what it means is that I think overall we can still go ahead and, and meet our corn export targets and as a result i think because of where the ethanol demand has been you know we are up 1.4 percent year to date on ethanol compared to usda's 0.9 percent i think we can still have a, a good year on the corn side soybeans we're going to have to watch close that soybean export demand number and overall soybean demand number is a little bit of a shot in the dark we don't know what that's going to look like as we go forward if china's not involved that doesn't meet, really make us as optimistic on the price of soybeans, but we do think that we will see some better prices as we move down the road. And, but we will have to keep a very close eye on these demand numbers, a lot closer than we have in any of the other past years. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up. We'll take a look at what's happening, not only in China, as Jeff was just mentioning, but we'll look at South America as well. And a listener question about, of all things, the Mississippi River. Lots of things happening on the grain side. Again, good day to end on a positive note, headed into hopefully a good harvest weekend. You are listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Jeff Peterson joins us with Heartland Farm Partners. I kind of left off with a, we have a question that came from a listener, a listener out of South Dakota, by the way. And so I'm not really sure what the situation is with their shipping of beans, but the talk has been up there. The concerns with the Mississippi River. We uh, know that sections of the Mississippi have been closed because of flooding concerns. Heck, we're even worried about sections of the Missouri River having some flooding issues. But his thought was, their beans aren't going west like they normally do. He knows the beans are going to have to go to the east. What does this mean? Does it mean finding alternative options? 
Are we looking trains, semis? What are your thoughts and what are you hearing when it comes to bean and even corn movement at this point? Yeah, and he's got a great point. You know, the Mississippi River and having some of the locks close, especially in around that St. Louis area and a little bit higher up around Quincy, we've seen some of those close for a while. And and that definitely keeps the flow of grain not necessarily going to the Gulf. That eastern corn belt is very dependent upon barge traffic. And if some of that stuff out of South Dakota is going over to the Mississippi, maybe they're doing some backhauls of fertilizer back. What will have to happen is some alternative routes. Typically in the western corn belt, as you move over in the western part of, of Iowa and into Nebraska, a lot of the bushels of beans either heads to the processors by truck or they do end up making their way down to the Gulf of Mexico by rail. So I think what we'll end up seeing is some of those bushels will just have to take some alternative means. Probably in the end, it means that it, it doesn't help his basis any, but there will be a way to still be able to move them. I think we're going to see ultimately at some of these processors some pretty creative uh uh, freight rates really coming out of the Dakotas to many of these soybean processing plants, not because there isn't beans in and around these plants that we move into Iowa and Nebraska, and, but, but just because there's some cheap beans up in North Dakota and South Dakota. Let's head south of the border. Um, Brazil's elections, what type of effect or will it have an effect on these markets? Yeah, I think as we take a look at that, you know, it, it's been actually called probably one of the biggest elections that they've actually had, they've ever had. And really what you've got is you've got Fernando Haddad, which would be part of the Workers' Party. They've been really in power for over 20 years. And now, actually, we've got a very conservative individual in Jair Bolsonaro. And he actually looks like he's the front runner right now. And, and part of what I think could be a little bit of a twist for China is the fact that he's openly been against socialism and communism. And he's also verbally stated that um, he doesn't like the way that China actually is having so much control and having so much influence within the country of Brazil. Now, I don't think he'll do anything to go ahead and stop the shipment of beans or anything like that. But I think what we'll see if he does go into power and keep in mind that elections October 28th, so we're just a couple days away, I think we'll see probably Brazil not quite be as friendly towards China as they have been in the past. Well, speaking of China, Jeff, where are we at on trade talks? Are you hearing anything new or different? You know, yeah, there is a few things. Um, yesterday afternoon, Wall Street Journal actually put out an article late in the day, and, and the title kind of really kind of says it all. It says the U.S. won't resume trade talks without firm proposals from a worry China. And basically what the, they're stating is the fact that they want in writing um, how is China going to go ahead and address many of these p- bullet points that the U.S. has been bringing up. Now, supposedly back in May when they, they met China and the U.S., uh, U.S. presented China with eight main bullet points of things that they felt that needed to be changed. China, in turn, went ahead and broke that down into 142 different items the way they saw it. They basically said 40% of those could be done immediately, 40% of those were open to some negotiation, and 20% of those were off limits completely to not be talked about. And as a result, um, this type of tension could impact the fact that we're supposed to see our two presidents get together here at the end of November in the G20 summit. So I would say that situation isn't moving along very fast, and we may not expect to see much for changes anytime soon there. Looking at generating some cash? Can we do that with making sales? Well, I would rather actually see people not actually even make any sales here. There's a couple ways that they can go about generating some cash. Don't forget about those bins that they have on their farm. They can go ahead and put that grain under loan and utilize the FSA program and, and actually treat that as either loan or income, depending on where they're at. 
Also, as they're going into town, if they put their bushels on a deferred pricing, not a delayed pricing, but a deferred pricing contract or a basis contract, they also can go ahead and get advances from the elevator and generate some cash that way. So as we get in towards year end, the bills start coming due. Those are a few ways that they can generate some cash without having to make some additional sales. Well, quickly before we wrap up, unsold corn and soybeans, do we deliver them to town? So I would say make sure as you come out of harvest, make sure your bins are full. Uh, don't worry about making any additional sales at this time on any of those unsold bushels that you have in your bands. For those bushels that you have moved into town, I'd probably recommend if it's a really cheap storage rate under four cents a month to put it on storage. If you're going to have to pay more than four or five cents a month, and I'd recommend, even though I don't like the basis, using a basis contract or a deferred pricing contract. All right. Sounds good. Jeff, what's the best way for folks to read? Yeah. Give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. All right. Thanks so much, Jeff Peterson, joining us. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell. It'll be podcast later in the day. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.